Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Jesus, you are our living hope, our living Lord, the one who can set us free from everything that would hold us back from the fullness of life with you. Break now any chains in our lives that need to be broken as we receive all you have for us in your word. Thank you for the gift of worshiping you and honoring you this day. In your saving name we pray, amen, amen. Today we begin a new message series here at Mission Liberty Hill entitled Living Life God's Way. I'm basing this series on a book in the Bible that is found near the back of the New Testament. This book was written by someone who knew all about Jesus. He knew Jesus really well. Not only that, he knew what it was like to live life God's way because he knew Jesus. You see, Jesus had called this man out of the fishing boat to be a fisher of men. Not just that, this man had ate with Jesus, walked with Jesus, learned from Jesus, deserted Jesus, returned to Jesus, wept when Jesus was crucified, rejoiced when Jesus was raised from the dead, and he grew to become a mighty spirit-led leader in the early church. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? I'm talking about Peter. And 30 years after Jesus' resurrection and ascension back into heaven, Peter sat down, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this book. It's a short book. It's the Bible's book of First Peter. And it's a letter that Peter wrote to followers of Jesus in what is now known as modern-day Turkey. Now, I've been enriched by this book ever since I met Christ and read this book of Scripture for the first time. And I am confident that you're going to be greatly enriched in your walk with God as we go through the next eight Sundays of walking through this, ver this uh, uh, wonderful book of Scripture. We're going to do it verse by verse. We'll take a section of it each and every week. And you're going to learn in some new ways in your life how to live life God's way. Now, uh, I'd like for you to just take a look for a moment at uh, some of the topics we're going to be focusing on. And on the screen, you can see a listing of these topics over the next eight weeks. Here's what we're going to be looking at. Defeating discouragement, discovering God's answer to discouragement, choosing to be different, deciding between discipline and drift, remembering who you are, seeing yourself as you are in the family of God, influencing with integrity, becoming a person of true integrity, strengthening your relationships, living in harmony with others, healing hidden wounds, taking four essential steps 
to true healing, facing trials for Jesus Christ, knowing what to do when you suffer for being a Christian, and living a significant life, maximizing your impact for Jesus Christ. Now, I want to encourage you to do two things during this message series, and here are the two things I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to bring message notes with you to church. And you know, you can print those off on your online worship folder from your uh, computer, or you can download it to a device if you want to. But you're going to get the most out of these messages if you'll uh, uh, have those notes in front of you. So I encourage you to take time and print those off before you come to church, bring them with you. And then the second thing I want to encourage you to do, and looking out, I'm glad to see so many of you. are already doing this, is to bring your Bible with you to worship, because we're really going to spend some time looking in this book, and you're going to get the most out of it if you can open up your Bible and uh, uh, follow along. So again, I encourage you to be bringing your Bible with you to worship. And this would be a good time before we get into today's topic to uh, just um, follow my wife's advice. She mentioned to me three times yesterday, so I think I better do this because I know when I get home, she's worshiping online today. When I get home, I know one of the first things she's going to ask me is, did I do this? So I'm going to do it right now. And here it is. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you did not hear last Sunday's message, to take time to listen to last Sunday's message because it's really an introduction into... uh, our, our next eight weeks together. So you take time to listen to that message if you didn't get a chance to do that in the past week. And if you don't mind a moment of personal pastoral privilege, hi, Donna. <laughs> All right. Well, here's our, uh, uh, our first subject in this message series. The title of today's message is Live Life God's Way by Defeating Discouragement. Right now, you all know that we are facing and we're dealing with a virus, the COVID-19 virus. But there is another virus that every human being has to contend with and face. And that virus is the virus of discouragement. Discouragement is a universal disease. Why? Well, as we learned in our last message series... Suffering is a universal disease, so we have to contend with discouragement. There's an old story of the time uh, the devil had a garage sale. He was going to sell some of his tools. So he had this garage sale, and there was a shopper that was walking around in the devil's garage looking at some of the tools that were for sale, and he noticed off in the corridor one tool that wasn't for sale. So he picked up that tool, and he walked up to the devil, and he said, Uh, what's this tool right here? And the devil said, that is the tool of discouragement. And it is not for sale because it is one of my most valuable and useful tools. With that tool right there, I can pry open a person's heart and get them to do things they ordinarily wouldn't do. And the reason why it's so well-worn is because I use it on just about everybody. All of us have to do business with discouragement. All of us get discouraged from time to time. 
You know, the early Christians to whom Peter wrote, this is right where they were at. They knew all about discouragement. Boy, they were really going through some tough times. They were being accused of incest because Christian wives would call their husbands their brothers in the Lord, and Christian husbands would call their wives sisters in the Lord. They were being accused of cannibalism because they would talk about partaking of the body and blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper. They would be accused of, and they were constantly accused, of sedition because they never talked about Caesar as Lord. They talked about who is Lord? Jesus as Lord. So they were going through tough times because in turn, they were being fed to the lions, burned at the stake, beaten for their faith, put in prison cells, all because they were followers of Jesus. And you think you're having a tough time right now. Their circumstances were the bleakest imaginable. And in this letter, this book that Peter writes, you know what he does? He does not try to pump them up with some positive thinking. No, instead, in this book, what Peter does is he reaches out his hand and he kind of touches their chin and lifts their chin heavenward to see beyond their circumstances to their heavenly calling and position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this is what I want to do this morning because I know this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do through His Word this morning, to lift your face heavenward to see just who you are and what you have when you have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. By the revelation of the Holy Spirit, Peter knew what these discouraged Christians need and what we need when we're discouraged. What do we need? We need a four-letter word. And it's not some four-letter words that you hear people saying sometimes when they're discouraged. It's this four-letter word, H-O-P, hope. That's what we need. Th just think about it for a moment. A person can live for around 40 days without food, around three days without water. They can live around eight minutes without air, but they cannot live very long without hope. If you look in your message notes, this is what Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So what is hope? Well, here's a definition of biblical hope. You can fill the blanks in on your notes. Hope is, you ready for this? A confident expectation and assurance of good from God in every area of life because of the absolute dependability of God and the promises of His Word. That's hope. That is the kind of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. A confident expectation and assurance of good from God in every area of life based on the absolute dependability of God and the promises of His Word. This is the kind of hope 
that will defeat discouragement when it starts prying its way into your heart, your mind, your life. So turn now in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. Open up your Bible, if you haven't yet done so, to 1 Peter. And today we're going to look at 1 Peter 1, verses 1 to 12. Because in these first 12 verses, the Holy Spirit gives us three hope-producing promises that will help defeat discouragement when it comes into your life. Follow along as I read the first four verses. But before I do that, I want to give you the first promise. And here it is. Write it on your notes. The first hope-producing promise that will defeat discouragement is this one right here. God has chosen you to be part of his family. God has chosen you to be part of his family. Boy, that's a great promise. We're going to look at three hope-producing promises today in these 12 verses. I, I, it, my favorite is the first one. They're all great, but my favorite is the first one. God has chosen you to be part of his family. Look at verses 1 to 4, please. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. By the way, if that list of regions, groups of people sound familiar to you, it ought to because you last heard that list on Pentecost Sunday when we read in Acts chapter 2 where all the people were from when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, Peter stood up, preached that message, 5,000 people came to Christ, and then they went back home to the region that they had come from and established churches in that region. And these were folks who had met Christ and had been established in Jerusalem in the faith so that they could go out to their communities. Verse 2, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. There's that word, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. I want to tell you that you can defeat discouragement when it starts prying its way into your heart and mind if you will remember that God has chosen you to be part of his family. Look again in your Bible at verse 2, which says, you have been chosen. And circle that word chosen. What is God saying here? He is saying that your salvation is no accident. Long before you chose God, he chose you. Your salvation wasn't your idea. 
It was God's idea from the very start. Before God swung the first star out into space. Before God birthed the earth. Before God made the mountains. You were in his heart and on his mind. You are that important, valuable, and precious to him. I like the way the Living Bible puts verse 2. You see it on your notes. Dear friends, God the Father chose you long ago and knew you would become his children. You want to talk about old-time religion. It doesn't get any older than that. That brings us to a very important question, and here's the question. Why in the world would God do this? Listen, God did not choose you because of who you are or what you've done. God chose you because of who He is and what He has done. He is a God of grace and love. That's who He is. And what did He do? He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, to lay down His life on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins and you could be made a blood-bought child of God through faith in Christ. Look again at verse 2 in your Bible. Look at that whole verse there. Notice the Trinity in verse 2 who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. When it comes to your salvation, God the Father thought it. God the Spirit wrought it. And God the Son bought it. He gets all the glory. He did it all. You were chosen on the basis of God's mercy, not your merit. On the basis of God's performance, not your own. Verses 3 and 4 in your Bible say, look back at those verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His mercy, He has given us a, underline the next two words, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. God has chosen you to be part of His family. Can you imagine what it would be like to be born into royalty? Just imagine if you had been born into the royal family of England. What would you have gotten? Well, you might have gotten some dysfunctions, but we won't talk about that. But, but you would get all the rights all the privileges, all the perks, all the positions, all the inheritance, it would all be yours. And God says to you, you're part of my family. You're my child. You're royalty in me. You're my inheritor. So write this down. It will encourage you. God has chosen you so... No matter what happens, God will always love you. I'll say it again. No matter what happens, God will always love you. Some of you are barely hanging on by a thread today. 
Some of you are hurting so deeply with what seem to be insurmountable problems in your life. And God has you listening to this message today because He wants you to know that in Jesus Christ, you can have hope. You can have a confident expectation and assurance of good from God in every area of your life based on the absolute dependability of God and the promises of His Word. Because God has chosen you to be part of His family. You, no matter what happens, will know that God always loves you. That can defeat discouragement. And here's the second promise. Promise number one, God has made you to be part of His family. Promise number two, God is working in your life. If you know Christ as your Savior, you can be confident God is working in your life. Continue on in 1 Peter and look at verses 5 to 7 in your Bible. Verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The last part of verse 6 says this. Look at that in your Bibles. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Would you please circle the words all kinds of trial. Those four words, all kinds of trial, in the original Greek are actually one word. It's the Greek word Poikolos, it means multicolored. From the Greek word poikolos, we get the English word polka dots. And I uh, brought one of my wife's blouses from a raided her closet. This has polka dots on it. And you notice there are different sizes, there are different colors, uh, different shades, they're all different. Well, the trials that you go through in life, they are like polka dots. They come in different sizes, different shades, different colors. They're different because each one of us are different. And you know, in reality, something that might hardly affect you when it comes into your life, if it comes into my life, it would kick the slats right out from under me. And vice versa, for you, I might have something that I can ju just kind of rolls right off my back. But for you, it's just overwhelming. This is the way trials are. But in the midst of these difficulties, you can defeat discouragement if you will remember that God is always working in your life. And what work is God doing? Well, write this on your notes. First of all, God is shielding you. In the midst of all your trials, He is shielding you. As verse 5 says, who through faith are being shielded by God's power. What's the purpose of a shield? It's to protect you. 
It's to keep things off of you. And this passage is saying that God will see to it that nothing ever comes into your life that breaks you. It may bend you, but it will not break you. God will never let you have more than He knows you can handle by His grace and by His power. God is shielding you. Let that encourage your heart. And not only that, God is also refining you. He's refining you. Look at verse 7. These have come so that your faith, and just think about your faith for a moment. There's a lot of possessions you have in life. Some nice stuff, right? Important to you. But I want to tell you, your most important possession is your faith. Because when that day comes that you are laying on your deathbed, and everything in your life that you value is slipping away from you, there will be one thing you will have that's left. Faith. And because you have faith, you'll have Jesus Christ. That's your most precious possession. So what's God committed to do? He's committed to this. Look at verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God is refining, strengthening your most precious possession when you go through trials. He is shielding you. He is refining you. So, write this on your notes. Because God is working in your life, shielding you, refining you, no matter what happens, I'll say it again, no matter what happens, God is taking care of you, shielding you, protecting you. God has made you part of His family, so no matter what happens, God will always love you. God is working in your life, shielding you, protecting you. So, no matter what happens, God will take care of you. That will help you defeat discouragement when it pries its way into your heart. And now, let's go on to the third and final promise. Here it is. Not only has God chosen you to be part of His family and is God working in your life, God has secured your future. God has secured your future. When you're discouraged, remember that. Look at verses 8 to 12. Though you have not seen Him, you might want to underline those words, though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you 
when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Be encouraged because God has secured your future. You may not be understanding right now all that you're going through. You may not have all the answers to your questions because sometimes we just don't see things very clearly. It's like the story of a state trooper who pulled over a car that was kind of swerving and weaving on the road. So he got out of his vehicle, walked up to the car, tapped on the window, and this elderly lady rolled down the window sitting behind the wheel. And she said, oh, officer, I'm so glad you're here here. I almost had an accident. I looked up and there was a tree right in front of me. So I swerved to the left and there was another tree and I swerved to the right and there was another tree and I swerved to the left again and there was another tree and I swerved to the right and there was another tree. And the officer said, ma'am, as he reached through the window to her rearview mirror, he said, ma'am, that's your air freshener. And a lot of times we just don't see things very clearly, do we? But the day is coming. I want to tell you on the authority of God's word that the day is coming when you will step into the eternal halls of heaven. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. And suddenly in a moment, in an instant, what you now see dimly, you will see clearly. And you will see how even in the darkest nights of your life and your soul, God was there working good, bringing about his eternal purposes, shielding you, refining you, acting on your behalf. And then you'll see your Savior face to face. That ought to fill you with, as verse 8 says, an inexpressible and glorious joy. All of this by the mercy and the merit of Jesus Christ. This is such an amazing thing that the last verse in, in uh, today's uh, section of Scripture, verse 12 says this. Did you notice that? Even angels long to look into these things. You see, you have something an angel doesn't have. Angels never lost their salvation. So they don't know what it's like. I mean, they, they never lost, or they, were, they never fell into sin. So in reality, they never really experienced salvation. And in turn, they look at us as we go through living in these promises of God, and they say, wow, what that must be like to receive, to experience salvation. They long to look into something like that. It is so magnificent and so amazing. Right now, friends, we barely see it. <laughs> we think we see it, and we see shades of it. But when you step into heaven, you'll see just how much God saved you. How much 
He acted on your behalf. How much good he did for you. So, let this encourage you. No matter what happens, God is always working his very best in your life. He always has his very best in store for you. As difficult as some of the pages of your life may be right now, not one of those pages falls under the category of the final chapter. Not one. That final chapter will come on that last day when you step into the presence of your Savior. And sorrow and sign, gone like that. As James Gray once said, who can mind the journey when the road leads home? Who can mind the journey when you know the road leads home? Chuck Swindoll, uh, in one of his books, writes the following. Here's what he writes. In December of 1995, Ed and Nancy Hunzinger in Grand Rapids, Michigan, were at church rehearsing for the annual Christmas Festival of Lights program when their home burned to the ground. But that wasn't their only tragedy that year. Just three months earlier, Nancy's longtime friend, Barb Post, a widow with two children, had died of cancer. Nancy and Ed had taken her two children, Jeff and Katie, into their home as part of their family, something they had promised Barb they would do. So when Ed and Nancy's house burned to the ground just before Christmas, it wasn't just their home they lost. It was the home of two teenagers who had already lost their mother and their father. On the following Saturday, neighbors organized to sift through the ashes and search for anything of value that might have survived. One of the first indications they received of God's involvement in their struggle came as a result of that search. Somehow, a piece of paper had survived. On it were written these words, contentment, realizing that God has already provided everything we need for our present happiness. To Ed and Nancy, this was like hearing God speak from a burning bush. It was the assurance they needed that he was there and he was not silent. And my friend, God has not been silent today. You can live life God's way. You really can. You can defeat discouragement with the living hope that is found in your Savior, Jesus Christ. If you know Him, hold on to Him. If you do not yet know Him, welcome Him into your life today. Trust in Him. And you can live in hope and defeat whatever discouragement you may be dealing with today. The next time you're discouraged, remember these three promises, won't you? Number one, God has chosen you to be part of his family. So no matter what happens, God will always love you. Number two, God 
is working in your life. So no matter what happens, God will always take care of you. Number three, God has secured your future. So no matter what happens, He will always have His very best in store for you. That can encourage you, even amid the polka dots of life. Let's bow for prayer. Please stand for our closing prayer. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is so true, Lord, that when we are discouraged, we need hope, a confident expectation and assurance of good from you in every area of our life based on the absolute dependability of who you are and the promises of your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your work for us on the cross and for your triumphant resurrection so that by your merit and your mercy, we can be people with a new birth into a living hope. We trust only in your and in your merit and mercy today. You chose us, so we choose by your grace and power to stand on these three hope-producing promises that will surely enable and empower us to defeat discouragement in our lives. We look forward to all that you will do as we journey together through this wonderful book of Scripture over the next eight weeks and as we live life your way. And if that's your prayer, would you please say aloud, amen. Amen.